Hello, this is Cutting Jade with Dr. Sean Armstrong. In this episode, I discuss project-based learning, an innovative instructional method that promotes student-centered learning. According to Peggy Ertner of Purdue University, the five fundamentals of a project-based learning activity are real-world connection, In other words, there has to be something authentic about it. Two, building rigorous projects where there's a lot of activities going on, but there's a lot of thinking involved as well. Three, structured collaboration between the students so they're not just working alone. Four, it must be student-driven. So students are the ones who are doing the activities, they're finding, they're learning, they're expanding, they're working together. And finally, multifaceted assessment, where it's not only a one's grade. There'll be formative assessment as well as summative assessment to just figure out what the students have learned and also to keep the students on track so everyone can get things accomplished. So, how to do it? Well, begin with the end in mind. We start with, we start with the standard. What, what standards do we want to accomplish in a, <clears throat> through a PBL? From the standards, we can then go backwards and build something more and build the, the project itself. The focus for the project, from a student-centered perspective, comes down to a driving question. This driving question helps both the instructor and the students stay focused on the primary outcome of a project-based learning activity. These driving questions arise out of the needs, concerns, and interests of the students. So it's important for instructors to be tuned into their thoughts and feelings. PBL activities should also be based in something real. Okay, as I said, in real-world situations, so that they have effect on students' lives or in their community at large. So, with this in mind, our cohort immediately thought of the COVID-19 pandemic and possible worries, effects that might have now on our students. Uh, Some examples were shortages of goods, food supply concerns, uh, and other aspects as well. Uh, Along with those concerns, I thought of the well-being of my young students. In China, the virus started. Uh, It had beginning, we were aware of it, and suddenly in mid-January it was widespread just prior to Spring Festival. Spring Festival is the most important holiday of the year. It's a time for gathering family and food. So at this time, regional and national agencies enacted either stay at home or full quarantine policies across the country. Many were not allowed to venture outside, even to buy groceries. Masks were required everywhere you went. At the conclusion of Spring Festival holiday, the entire country was on lockdown. There was no travel. There was no going out. Uh, Nothing. Schools and businesses were closed indefinitely. Only essential workers, including police force, medical personnel, and city workers were allowed to work. So, in light of this drastic change, 
the training center I worked for enacted the I2 Cares program. Uh, international teachers posted videos of support for China, and we also scheduled virtual home visits to try to establish some sort of normalcy for our students aged as young as three years old. So during these visits, we would ask them, how are you? How are you doing? Where are you? What are you doing? And then we reminded them of things they could do to stay healthy. All of my students were fine. None of them reported any problems, and they seemed, they seemed to be content. But it was so wonderful the first time when I saw them after not seeing them for three to four weeks. Their faces just lit up and they were so happy to see me, so happy to see my Chinese TA. And they were able to talk and to share things with me. So as I saw my students, I thought of the comfort, of the concept of comfort and safety. And so I thought, of a PBL to help the children become a little bit more aware of their circumstances. I especially thought of the word of comfort and colors. Thus, the Color My World project was born. In our cohort discussion, many different internet tools were mentioned and praised. Um, good, technolo good technology requires access, which can be difficult in the People's Republic of China. In an effort to protect national interest, the government authorized the construction of the Great Firewall of China. This is a filter that basically controls what can be seen and what cannot be seen and read on the internet within the borders of China. Each year, the list of blocked websites and apps grows and grows, leaving international teachers in China fewer options for technology in the classroom. For example, except for Google Translate, all other Google products are blocked. There's no Gmail, no Google Classroom, no Google search engine. YouTube, Pinterest, and Facebook are also currently blocked. While there are Chinese equivalents, they are only available in Chinese. And so with just a few apps available in English. So unless you can read and speak Chinese, it's really difficult to use these apps. The most ubiquitous app in China is WeChat, which combines the functions of Facebook, WhatsApp, PayPal, and Twitter. Now, the Great Firewall has not stopped all EdTech from coming into China. Fortunately, Kahoot is still popular, and it's available, and Flipgrid as well. But as far as other newer products, it's hard to know if the products are actually available without testing them individually. So in light of all this, for most Chinese classrooms, WeChat is the EdTech ed of choice. Chinese classrooms use WeChat for communication between students and teachers, 
parents and teachers as well as sometimes even parents and students. Uh, you can use it to upload videos, exchange files, uh, so for homework submission, and also mobile uses such as uh, maps, uh, determining locations, uh, and sharing information. So because of that, for this PBL, <clears throat> I've decided to use WeChat as the, as the, as the mobile function. So about this project, the Color, <clears throat> Color My World project. Since students are slowly returning to school now, I anticipate this project can begin in a classroom. The target student is an English language learner, pre-K to, kin to kindergarten, first grade. So I'm thinking age range from three to seven. Now by this point, from, the, from what I know, the students can name colors, talk about their family members, rooms in the house, some furniture items, and they can count to at least 20 or more, all in English. So their communication styles are actually very limited. But I know they love to talk and they love to share things really wonderful to, even in their very limited English, to hear things about their days and what they've experienced. So, this PBL activity has three parts. So I'm going to explain what I would do in a classroom. Part one. We want to look at our houses. So first question, what rooms do you like? So look in the room you like and take a photo. Then with help, I want you to see how many colors you see in that room. And then ask someone to help. It could be mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa. Use a piece of paper and then write down how many things are up are each color in the house or in the room and then at this point I would practice in the classroom then when you're <clears throat> then when you're finished writing down the uh, writing down the tallies take a picture and send that to the TA so part two in the next class, the students would bring in their tally sheets. I'd have them work in small groups about, and let them talk about what rooms do they like and what colors do they see in those rooms? And then also what rooms do they not like? And maybe talk about what colors they see in those rooms as well. At the end of these small group discussions, then the teacher will then show a picture of a room, just a random picture, and ask if the students feel comfortable. And in their small groups, the students look at the new picture and say if they feel comfortable or not. And then they also and then they also talk about the colors. What colors do you see? What are the most colors? 
colors do you see in this room? Is this room comfortable? Yes. No. What do you like? What do you not like? In the third phase, the teacher will help the student see which colors the students see most often in the rooms they like, just to see if there's any kind of relationship between colors they like and colors being in a room. Then, as a class, they choose the three or four most common colors, and then on six, six inch by six inch pieces of paper, they draw a design using those three or four colors. Then after everyone is finished, the teacher will hang those up on the wall, and then the students will talk, and then the students will are able to comment on what they liked, what they drew on the pictures, why they why they picked those colors, and so on and so forth. So, and then because these pictures <coughs> are on the wall, they have a reminder of the project that they did and thinking about colors. Now, to see if this would work, uh, I approached one student in an online class session. I asked a student to do part of phase one. First, I asked her what colors she saw in the room, and she was able to identify five colors. And then I said, ah, oh, very good. Now, I want you to look around the room and see how many things are how many things are red? And she was able to count one, two, three, four, five. She did a great job. So it's possible for the for the students to do this, even with their limited English. And if if an older person, a caregiver, parent, grandparent can help them with this, it can be very easily accomplished. And then I think because in the final say, the students will be providing them on wall, they can still have a visual memory of that activity. So, going back to those five categories, let's see, a real-world connection. Well, this project talks about colors in their own house. These, color, these are colors that they see every day. Uh, building a rigorous project, well, considering the age of these children, for them, this is a little bit rigorous because they might have to explain why they like something. They can't just say, I like it, I like it. So they might have to say why, or I like red, I like this room. Structured collaboration. The students are working in small groups. They'll be looking at the numbers, at the tallies, and they'll see, oh, there is more of this. So there'll be a... <clears throat> Uh, it's also student-driven because all of the data is collected by the students and the recording of the data is also can be done by the student or at least the student can guide it. And then as far as multifaceted assessment, as they complete each phase, the teacher will pay attention. The teacher will also pay attention to how they work in the small groups and who's contributing and then possibly add a little nudges here and there to make sure that everyone is staying on track. So, given the age of these students, given the language level, I feel this PBL can be very successful. 
really excited about PBLs because after having lived and worked in China for the past five years, I see that <clears throat> I see that the education system here is primarily test-driven, and so students. It is, although there there are movements to make Chinese education more student-driven, it's still fundamentally test-based and it's summative testing, not not very much formative testing at all. So I think the bringing in the PBL as not only as a fun activity but also as a way to generate more critical thinking and to get the students more active and understanding about how their how their world works. I feel that the PBL will be a great asset for this experience. This has been Cutting Jade with Dr. Sean Armstrong. Thanks for listening.